today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. David tries it a couple of different nights. It doesn't work. So David, the great schemer, the great godly, holy man that he is, he sends a message to Joab, his captain of his army, and says, send Uriah up to the front of the battle and then pull back from him. So in essence, what he's doing is he's, he's giving the death certificate for Uriah. So now an adulterer, now he's a murderer as well as a liar. All of these things happening. Again, all of his own making because of what started out where he wasn't where he was supposed to be at the time he was supposed to be. David had some serious issues. He made some really horrible choices in his life. Yet God had a great purpose for him. Even if he'd never been a king, never led men into battle, never been called the apple of God's eye, he was a member of the lineage of Jesus. As Pastor David leads us through an examination of this group of sinners, including prostitutes, adulterers, and murderers, he reminds us that God uses even the weakest and wickedest among us if we are repentant and submit ourselves to His will. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Genesis chapter 25 as he continues his message, What's Your Pedigree? And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, if you're a parent, you know that there are just some of your kids that are easier to get along with than others. There's some you would be pleased to sell to a traveling gypsy band as they came by. (laughs) But the fact is, we don't get that choice. The fact is, is our love needs to be level. Do we treat them different? Absolutely. You better treat your children different because they are different personalities. Anybody that says, no, you treat all your kids exactly the same has not had more than one child, okay? Uh, but, but this very idea here, because we're going to see it play into the whole lifestyle. This isn't just the fact that, well, Isaac and Esau got a lot better along because they both felt like they were the manly, manly men's, and, and uh, Rebecca and Jacob got together because he was more of a home kid and he loved to cook and those kinds of things. No, that's, that's not what they're saying. There is an actual dividing line here that we're going to see as we look on in this. Look over in verse 20, or chapter 27. In chapter 27, it starts out, Now it came to pass when Isaac was old, his eyes were so dim that he couldn't see, that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and Esau answered him, said, Here I am. And uh, uh, Isaac said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, go out to the field, hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. He was the oldest son, even though only by moments. 
he was still the oldest son. And giving the blessing to the oldest son, that was just, again, the custom. But the problem comes in verse 5 and on, where Rebekah hears what's going on, and because she favors Jacob so much, she herself is a deceiver, and she teaches her son to be a deceiver. And so she concocts this whole plan of, hey, look, go in there, uh, put some hairy garments on, uh, deepen your voice a little bit so you sound like your brother, and go in there, and I'm going to cook up something, you can bring it to your dad, and he can give the blessing to you. So Rebecca plans all this thing. Jacob learns from her very well how to be a deceiver and a trickster, and we're going to find that plays out in his life. And if you know the event, you know that, hey, it worked. Isaac, uh, again, gave the blessing to Jacob just right after it happened. Esau comes in. He finds out what's going on, that uh, Jacob got his blessing. Esau, as a loving older brother, uh, is ready to kill his younger brother. And if you've had, ever had younger brothers, you know how that works. But he is literally ready to kill his younger brother because of that. Rebecca tells Jacob, hey, you need to get out of here quick because, again, you need to go to, the, to our, our family's land, go up to our relative Laban's and, and dwell there until Esau cools down. So the, the, the mother who is a trickster shows her son how to deceive her husband, his father, and to get the blessing from his father. And then she, in essence, gets him out of town so that he's not killed in the midst of it. So again, if you know the story, Jacob goes on to Laban's house. And as he gets up there, look over in chapter 29. Jacob meets the, the, the love of his life, Rachel. He's there. There was a well there. And uh, um, down in verse 4, he's asking those that are there, uh, who's, who's are these from? Who are these uh, animals from? And the well and everything. Uh, they said, we're from Haran. And he said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, yes, we know him. Uh, he said, is he well? Yes, he is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. And he said, look, it's still high day. It's not time for the cattle to be gathered. What are the sheep and go and feed them? But they said, we can't until the flocks are gathered together and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we'll water the sheep. Well, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep. Uh, she was a, a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and he rolled the stone from the well's mouth and he watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father Laban. So I, I see this, you know, here's, here's Jacob. He, he sees Rachel and I believe he's trying to impress her. He goes over, no, nobody else has rolled the stone away. So Jacob, he goes over and rolls the stone away. And then he sees Rachel. Uh, it says he kissed her. Now, how did he kiss her? You know, was it just the Middle Eastern, you know, greeting just, you know, on both sides of the cheek? Or, or did he, you know, 
lay one on it. I, I think it's probably the former than the latter. I think it's probably just the Middle Eastern kind of a, a greeting to her. But then he was just so excited because she was a relative of his. And so she went and told Laban. Uh, through the story, we find out that Jacob tells Laban, hey, I love your daughter, Rachel. Uh, whatever you need me to do, uh, I'll do for you. Just give me Rachel as my wife. And so Laban, turns out we've got a whole family of tricksters here. Rachel came from a family of trickster because her brother Laban says, oh, sure, you can have Rachel. All you've got to do is work for me for seven years. And then at the end of seven years, I'll give you Rachel. Kind of like, can I have her first and then I'll stay and work? No, because Laban doesn't trust Jacob. And Jacob certainly should not have trusted Laban because after he works for seven years, he goes on his uh, honeymoon night and turns out in the morning when he finally wakes up and the light comes on, it's not Rachel there with him, but her older, uh, not-so-attractive sister. Okay, She had, uh, I think they said, uh, cow eyes. Uh, uh, I don't know, what are cow eyes? Moon eyes. Uh, yeah, apparently uh, she was not nearly as attractive of Rachel. And then plus, Laban had tricked her. This wasn't the girl that I fell for. And he goes to complain to Laban and says, what have, what have you done to me? He says, look, in our part of the country, we can't do that. Leah is, is, is the firstborn. She's got to get married before Rachel. And so Jacob says, okay, what do I have to do to get Rachel? And Laban says, well, I tell you what, if you consent to work for me for another seven years, you can have Rachel also. So now he's got two wives and he's working for uh, a distant uncle. So again, what a situation. The trickster, the deceiver has now been deceived. He's been tricked. And now he's got to work through uh, in order to, again, pay off his debt to Laban for the two wives that that he has. The problem is, is when they start having children, or should I say, when Leah starts having children and uh, uh, Rachel has no children. We see, again, a great, again, the battle that's going on. As a matter of fact, look at verse 29. We've just got to touch on this. I don't see anybody in this really trusting the Lord, okay? Chapter 29, look down in verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved because he was putting all of his attention on Rachel, the one that he actually wanted, well, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, the Lord has surely looked onto my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again. Man, she's become a baby machine at this point in time. She conceived again, bore another son, and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name is called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. And then she stopped bearing. Okay? Chapter 30. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore, uh, that Leah had bore Jacob, or that she herself had bore Jacob no children, Rachel uh, envied her sister and said to Jacob, (laughs) Give me children, else I die. It's all your fault. Uh, I don't have children. Uh, And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? 
And so she said, here we go, here's the plan. Here's my maid Bilhah, go to her, and she'll bear a child on my knees, and also may have children by her. Then she gave him Bilhah, uh, her maid, as wife, and Jacob went into her, and Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case. He has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed, I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. It doesn't stop at that. Verse 9, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob as wife. I think they learned this from Abraham, you know, and they should have learned better because it didn't go well with Abraham and Sarah when they brought Hagar in. They did not learn a lesson. Let's move on. Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son, then Leah said, a troop comes. And so she called his name Gad. I don't know if that's Egad or just Gad. In uh, verse 12, And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy, for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Now Reuben went in uh, uh, in the days of the wheat field. Da, 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 uh, please give me some of your mandrakes. I'm not too worried about all that stuff at this point. Let's move down to verse 17. Because Leah was barren, Leah did pray. God listened to Leah. She conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I've given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with great endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. Afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel, God listened to her, opened her womb, she conceived, bore a son, and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. And we know from the story that a little bit later, she also gives birth to Benjamin. But right now, Joseph is the youngest. Now remember the issue of favoritism that we had with Isaac and Rebekah. Well, again, it falls in here. Who becomes the favorite? the youngest son of Rachel. And so again, Jacob just showers him with all kinds of love. We're not going to get into all of that story uh, this evening. But look with me here in chapter 32. Let's look over at uh, verse 22 of chapter 32. Jacob's getting ready to come back. He's got all of his family. He's finally got broke uh, uh, away from Laban. He's got all of his family, all of his herds. Very wealthy man. He's headed back. He's afraid he's going to see Esau. All of these issues are going on. Uh, He sends his family on up ahead. Uh, Verse 22, he arose that night, took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed over the ford of Jacob, or Jabok, and took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the the man that he's wrestling with, touched the socket of Jacob's hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, uh, the man that he's wrestling, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he, the man that was wrestling, said to him, what is your name? And Jacob said, Jacob. And the man said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God 
and with men, and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just an interesting sidestep in the midst of every bit of craziness here. God is still working in Jacob's life. God has a plan and a purpose for Jacob's life, for the deceiver, the trickster, uh, the one who has lied and, and deceived so many. God is still working and moving with him. And God even changes his name. Jacob he is now known as Israel. And over in Genesis chapter 35, look down in verse uh, 23, we see that Israel, or Jacob, is the father of all these children. Now the sons of Jacob, yeah, verse uh, the second part of verse 23. Now the sons of Jacob were 12. The sons of uh, Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, were Dan and Naphtali. The sons of Zilpah, Leah's maidservant, were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. So we have all 12 of the sons there. Now, Matthew tells us, going back to Matthew chapter 1 and the lineage, we're not done with Genesis yet, but Matthew tells us that even though Reuben was the oldest, that actually, uh, not only the oldest, but he was also uh, 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 the favored of of Joseph at that point in time, or, or that Joseph was a favorite, I'm sorry. Reuben was the oldest, Joseph was the favorite, and it was yet neither through neither one of those that the bloodline glows. The bloodline went through Judah. And it's interesting when we look at Judah because there's a lots of problems with Judah. Chapter 38. Won't take time to, to read the whole thing, but in essence, uh, Judah has three sons. The first son marries a wife. He dies before they have a child. So Judah takes the second son and says, hey, you need to marry your sister-in-law. Uh, how many of you guys are up for that? But uh, anyway, you got to marry your sister-in-law. You have to have a child by her. He doesn't, and God kills him. So two sons are dead now. God killed both of them. He has a third son, but he's a lot younger. So Judah tells his daughter-in-law, Tamar, he says, look, you, you just go back home And as my third son gets older, once he gets old enough to marry, I'll send him to you and he can, uh, uh, again, give you a child so that you can inherit the the blessings from my family. And so the problem is, as he grew up, Tamar found out that no, he, that Judah wasn't keeping his word. Tamar found out that Judah was coming into town. She dresses up as a prostitute. It's not a pretty story. She dresses up as a prostitute. Judah comes into town, sees a prostitute by the side, and says, hey, uh, come with me. And she says, hey, you got to pay me. He didn't have anything with him. He says, I'll give you my signet ring, and I'll give you my, my staff. They went in. They had relations. Find out later that she actually conceived by Judah. Uh, when Judah sent somebody to go back and get his staff and stuff, the lady was gone. And so he said, well, forget it. Don't worry about it. Let's move on. And then a little bit later on in the scene, some people come to him and say, hey, we found out that Tamar, your daughter-in-law, who does not have a husband right now, she's pregnant. So apparently she's been messing around. And so Judah is ready to stone her. 
And so they bring her out, and Judah says, hey, we're going to stone her. And she says, okay, but first, I'll confess, the one whose child this is, he owns this staff and this signet ring. And at that point in time, Judah kind of stops the whole thing, and they they don't stone her. She ends up having two children, uh, Perez and Zerah. Of these two, Perez and Zerah, twins again, Perez is the one that then the bloodline goes through. So when you think of the bloodline that they're looking at here uh, in Matthew, it is absolutely bizarre, all the events that are happening. It was a descendant of Perez that we find that later on uh, in, in, verse, in, in Matthew, uh, verses 4 and 5, the de- descendant of Perez is a guy by the name of Salmon. And many believe that Salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N, was very most likely one of the two spies that Joshua sent out to look at Jericho. And remember what happened to the two spies. They ended up hiding out at the house of the prostitute by the name of Rahab. Rahab saves their lives by hiding them away up on the roof. Later they come, and as they destroyed Jericho, they save Rahab and her family. Well, it's from Matthew's account that we we read that Salmon is the one who is married now to Rahab, and they have a bouncing baby boy by the name of Boaz, and Boaz grows up, and he marries that Moabite woman, that foreigner, that Gentile woman by the name of Ruth, and that's what the whole book of Ruth is about. We find in the book of Ruth and also in Matthew chapter 1 that Ruth and Boaz, they have a son by the name of Obed. Obed, he ends up having a son by the name of Jesse. And Jesse had a bunch of sons, but the favored one was this young, scruffy-faced looking shepherd by the name of David, who would later become the king of Israel. Now you think, okay, now you got to David, so it's got to be good, it's got to be great from here on in. But no, it's not at all. The problem comes up as David, King David, later on in his reign, he finds himself absolutely bored to death because he was not going out and fighting the battles, which was what the kings were supposed to do during that time. He sent his troops out. He stayed at home. So he's bored in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. We read really of this, this major downfall in David's life. Again, he's, he's at home. He's bored. He goes up on the roof. He sees this woman next door outside, probably the middle of the night, bathing. He lusts after her. He tells his troops to go and get her. And again, has relations with her. David now is an adulterer. She conceives a child. And now because of his own embarrassment, David gets her husband from the war to come back and tries to get him to have relationships with his wife. But he's more noble guy than the king. And he says, how in the world could I go in and lay with my wife while all of my compadres are out there? They're still fighting the battle. No, I'm not going to do that. And David tries it a couple of different nights. It doesn't work. So David, the great schemer, the great godly holy man that he is, he sends a message to Joab, his captain of his army, and says, send Uriah up to the front of the battle and then pull back from him. So in essence, what he's doing is he's, he's giving the death certificate 
for Uriah. So now an adulterer, now he's a murderer as well as a liar. All of these things happening. Again, all of his own making because of what started out where he wasn't where he was supposed to be at the time he was supposed to be. Christmas time has arrived again, and with it, the typical carols, decorations, and events of the season. We're so glad that today you've taken the time to study God's Word with us and rejoice in the true reason for the season, Jesus Christ. How can we be praying for you during Christmas? We'd love to know, as well as how we can be joining you in praise for all God's doing. Would you give us a call? We can be reached at 520-836-9676. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor David's teachings, You'll find them online at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you, too. Come by Calvary Chapel Casa Grande this weekend to join us for worship and Bible study. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again or simply begin with the Gospel of Mark, a short and simple reading. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today and I hope you'll join me again next time. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Merry Christmas.